It will be a little bit shorter today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as I wrestle my way through this sermon this morning. Anyway, um, it's good to see you. If you've just joined us this morning, we are in the middle of our wonderful sermon series, Acts, led by His Spirit. And um, I think this series definitely holds uh, the record um, for being our longest-running sermon series so far. And seeing as we've just arrived in chapter 9, um, we have a good bit to go, um, but uh, it's, it's, it's all good. Uh, it's going to take us a wee bit longer to get through this series, probably over the, the rest of 2023 for sure anyway. But God's had a lot to say for us over the last while, and uh, I fully expect him to do the same today. We know that the scriptures uh, are the very word of God. They are alive and are active amongst us. And so as we open our Bibles together this morning, we do so just full of anticipation, eager for an encounter with God. So Lord, I ask as I speak this morning, Lord, you would speak. Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts ready to receive what you want to do amongst us this morning. that not one of us would leave this place without encountering you and without being refreshed and renewed by you. So come, Lord, have your way amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who don't know me uh, that well, um, I have three wonderful children, um, three boys ranging from six right up to the age of 12. And... um, Parenting is, is it's a wonderful privilege, isn't it? It's packed with so much fun and so much adventure. But often, as parents, sometimes we have to give lots of guidance because children don't always tend to do what's good for them, do they? They don't naturally do it, right? You guys know that, don't you? Maybe you guys are, are, are masters at parenting, and I'm the only one that's kind of trying to, trying to navigate my way delicately through it. But often as a parent, we get strong opposition from kids, even though the things that we're asking them and we're trying to lead them towards is for their own good. Like as our boys get older, uh, one of the things we have to encourage them to do is to have a shower, right? Um, Like how many people here know the showers are actually good for you? I hope everybody here has a shower. Yes, good, Peter. Glad that you put your hand up. Um, But tell that to my 12-year-old son, right? Um, it's like dragging him into the bathroom to have a shower. And uh, don't tell him I said that, by the way. Anyway, some strong guidance is definitely required at times. And often that guidance meets just strong resistance. And that's kind of similar to what we see as we pick up on our passage this morning. Whenever our kids were a little bit younger and they'd get sick, we'd go to the doctors and get some antibiotics, and inevitably we'd get some yellow banana-flavored medicine. And uh, certainly from my experience, um, trying to give a young child yellow banana-flavored medicine can be a particularly stressful and challenging ordeal. doesn't matter how many times you tell them that it's good for them and it's going to make them better. The chances are they're they're just going to resist it. They're going to push against it. Sometimes arms flinging around, mouth shut. 
And that resistance can often make the, res- the experience of receiving what's good for them pretty traumatic. As you enlist help to hold down their arms and force feed them that yellow banana flavored medicine. I'm not saying that I've done that, but I've heard that some of you have. <laughs> and as, Star Trek, as someone in Star Trek once said, resistance is futile. Or as our passage this morning tells us, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. On on that note, we're going to see what Dr. Luke has to say to us this morning. So we're in Acts chapter 9. The words are up on the screen, and we're going to use the New King James Version for this particular passage today, and I'll explain a little bit later why I'm doing that. So Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for the letters, asked for letters from the from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were off the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So two questions. Firstly, who is Saul? And secondly, what in the world are goats? Right? Maybe some of you know. Hands up if you know what goats are. No. Okay. Brilliant. We have a captive audience here today. Uh, let's start with the easy question first. Who was Saul? Saul of Tarsus was a Hebrew uh, Pharisee born and raised by Hebrew parents in the Greek-speaking town of Tarsus. Tarsus is a town in south-central uh, Turkey, quite near the Mediterranean coast, and it's about 560 miles from Jerusalem. And at that time, it was part of the Roman Empire. And whilst Saul was still fairly young, he uh, was sent to Jerusalem so that he could be educated at the school of a Pharisee called Gamaliel. Gamaliel was kind of like the head of school uh, for the Pharisees at that time. And we've actually met him before, if you can remember, back in November when we were in chapter 5. Saul was a pretty zealous guy. He had distinguished himself uh, as a resourceful scholar and as a natural leader. And as a committed Pharisee, he was, he was absolutely uh, determined that the nation of Israel would return to a really strict obedience of the law. And as the early church began to emerge, Saul rose to prominence as a persecutor. By his own admission, he persecuted Christians beyond measure. And as we'll find out soon, Saul became known as Paul, Saul being his Hebraic name and Paul being his Roman name. 
And after his conversion, which is what we're reading about this morning, Paul would later on uh, become uh, an apostle. In fact, he would become the most influential Christian leader to ever live. He led the church into a worldwide movement, and he really helped guide the church into maturity as they got the grips with who they were and what they were about. So that's who Saul was. Now, for the more interesting question, what's a goat? I don't know if you noticed that particular phrase as we read through the passage together. The phrase, kick against the goads, reappears in chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, in Paul's own testimony of these events. Um, And as I said, I I read from the the New King James Version uh, today. Most of the other translations have left this little sentence out of chapter 9, but they've kept it in in chapter 26. So just in case you're wondering why you can't see this phrase in your own Bibles this morning, unless you have the New King James Version. Anyway, a quick uh, recap of events. Uh, Paul was on his way to Damascus when suddenly a light shone all around him from heaven. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul responded, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the goats. So what does this mean? Well, uh, to kick against the goats was a common expression found in both Greek and Latin uh, literature. And it came about from the practice of farmers goading their oxen in the fields. Goats were typically uh, made from little slender pieces of wood. They would have been blunt on one end and then kind of spiky and pointed on the others. And farmers would use these goads to prick the ox, uh, to steer it in the right direction. And sometimes what would happen is a, a stubborn ox would rebel by kicking out against the goad. And the more the ox kicked, the more likely the goad would stab them into the flesh of their leg, causing them some pain. So that's what it means to kick against the goads. And so when Jesus said to Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, he was really telling him, you've been trying to fight against me as I've been prodding you and trying to guide you, but if you keep rebelling and you keep resisting, then you're going to experience even more pain. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul had been kicking against and trying to resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. He had been relentless as he had persecuted the early church. But as time went by, it must have felt to him like he was swimming against the tide. And the tide was getting stronger and stronger. Firstly, he found his approach at odds with that of his mentor, Galileo. Saul was on an all-out kill-all-Christians mission. And it must have shocked him when his own mentor decided to take a much more pragmatic approach. If you remember back to chapter 5, as I said, we spoke on this in November, Gamaliel said this to the Sanhedrin. Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Saul clearly chose to ignore the advice of Gamaliel. 
But as time went by, and he pursued the path of persecution. Perhaps he began to wonder, was he in fact fighting against God? It didn't matter what he did to them. These Jesus followers just would not give in. Where did they get their hope and resilience from? Could it be that God was actually for them? Unsettling thoughts and questions would have been swirling around Saul's mind. And they eventually reached a crescendo here in the Damascus Road as all his questions converged into just one question. Who are you, Lord? And the reply came back. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And suddenly it hit Paul with hurricane force. The followers of the way were right after all. Jesus was alive. And Paul instantly realized that he had been wrong. And what followed was a posture of surrender as Paul asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I wonder, have you ever kicked against the goads? Perhaps uh, you can resonate with Paul on his way to Damascus. Uh, unlikely that anyone here is wanting uh, to kill Christians. But maybe you're busy pursuing your own ambitions, your own agenda, your own priorities. And perhaps you're ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're busy setting your own course and you're trying to go your own direction. And maybe you too can feel the pricks and the stings of trying to ignore and turn away from the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you're resisting against calling. You've heard God calling you to a particular place or to use a particular gift, but you've been trying your hardest just to ignore it. Maybe because of fear or maybe because it's you just know it's going to be inconvenient or uncomfortable. And uh, as I was preparing this talk, um, I felt like the Lord particularly highlight worship. Um, just for someone here or perhaps a few of you, he's been drawing you towards worship ministry. But you've been resisting him and you've been kicking against the goads. And if that's you, then I would just encourage you, you might want to think about stopping that. It's not good for you to kick against the goats. And I got the sense as I prayed into that, that for you it actually feels like uh, that pricking feels like discontentment and just a lack of fulfillment. And you actually just don't feel like you're fully living. So if that's you, we'd love to pray with you later. Um, I encourage you. Uh, Jesus hasn't come to rob you and steal from you. He's come that you might have life and have it to the full. So stop kicking against the goats. There's other people here, and, and, and you know what it is you need to let go of. But you've been trying your best to try and ignore his prompts. That's just a trust thing. He hasn't come to rob you and steal from you. He has come that you might have life and have it to the full. And then for some of us, maybe it's a forgiveness issue. Perhaps there's someone who hurt you 
and you're just refusing to let go and release that offense to Jesus. You're kicking against the goad. You're ignoring the prompts of the Holy Spirit. The thing is, when we don't forgive those who hurt us, we are the ones that end up locked in a continual cycle of hurt. And we know that hurt people hurt people, don't they? But someone has to break the cycle and turn towards Jesus because his path is the only path to freedom. And often as I've talked to people about forgiveness and I've prayed with people, sometimes, sometimes people think that the thing that was done with them is just too big a thing to forgive. And maybe you're in that place. Maybe you think that that person who hurt you is just not worthy to be forgiven. And I would ask you this morning to think again. Look at what Saul did. Look at how he persecuted Christians. And he would go on to call himself the chief of sinners, yet God's grace abounded for him. Maybe actually it's something that you've done that's holding you back from turning fully towards Jesus. Perhaps there's something that you're ashamed of. And maybe you think that because of that you're beyond God's grace. That that thing that you did means that you're just not good enough. But the truth is, his grace is enough for each and every one of us. So today, you can stop resisting him and turn fully towards him. The final thing I want to just draw your attention to briefly this morning is this question, Lord, what do you want me to do? And actually, Paul would never stop asking this question for the rest of his days. And neither should we. Jesus, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me, Jesus? It's a question for parents facing challenges with your children. What are you saying, Jesus, about this situation? Because I've tried all my ways, but I need you to speak. I need your voice to guide me. It's a question we need to ask when we've been hurt by someone. And everything in us wants to lash out and get revenge. But Lord, what do you say? What do you want me to do? It's a question we get to ask him about the simple things just as much as we get to ask him about the complex things because Jesus actually wants to be part of every aspect of our lives. And uh, it's a question that I'm learning to ask him in the middle of challenging situations that I face as well. Jesus, what are you saying? What are you doing? What's your way in this situation? Actually, just to give you a fresh example for me, uh, late Friday morning, um, I sat down to prepare this talk uh, it would have been early Friday morning, but I ended up needing to address a couple of things in work for a few hours before I could turn my attention to uh, preparing this uh, talk. And so around half 11, 
I was just starting to look at it, uh, feeling a little bit of pressure there. Um, Rebecca and I were out for uh, dinner on Friday night, so I knew I had a hard stop at 6 p.m. Um, and I, I just couldn't keep working on Friday evening. So uh, with that in mind, before I even put pen to paper, I sat there and I asked the question, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What are you asking me to do? It's maybe not the most complex situation that any of us are ever facing. But I've begun to realize that Jesus actually cares about everything that we face. The big mountains and the little hills. He cares about them all. And he's invited us on a journey just to take our hand and step through it. It's true, we're never alone. He's with us. And he invites us to walk with him. And uh, as I began to ask that question, um, I could hear him speak really clearly, actually. Um, I was supposed to be speaking on uh, Acts 9 all the way up to verse 19. And uh, all I could see in my mind's eye is just this picture of a log and a saw just being run over it, uh, cutting the log into two. And I realized that he was actually asking me just to speak in the first nine verses and leave the rest for another time. So you've got that to look forward to another time and that saved me a few hours it meant that I could go out for dinner um, because I would have been in trouble if I hadn't wouldn't I um, and that was lovely by the way I wouldn't have wanted to miss that for the world um, but anyway it also saved you from having to listen to me for another 15 minutes but really following Jesus means that we don't need to carry a heavy burden his burden is easy and his yoke is light it's the other way around isn't it his burden is light and his yoke is easy. He doesn't place anything heavy or ill-fitting upon us. Life's not supposed to be a struggle. So if you feel stress or pressure, my encouragement to, to you would be just invite him into that. Just ask him what he wants to say to you or what he wants you to do. My life's got so much easier the more I've realized that I don't need to carry a heavy burden. I remember during COVID, back in uh, March, April uh, 2020, um, we were killing ourselves trying to get a sermon up on YouTube every single week. Everybody else was doing it, so we thought, well, that's what you do here. There was no manual for how to navigate through COVID. Sure, there wasn't. And so we did that for months exhausting ourselves as Simon remembers because he was having to put all the content up and all the rest of it. And it took me months before I had the sense to ask Jesus what it was that he was actually inviting us into in that season. And it turns out he had something else for us. And we just began to meet over Zoom instead and, and it was a lot less work and it was a lot less stress and we experienced the Lord's blessing and the Lord's favor in that season. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I can tell you it's worth asking him what he's saying and what he's inviting us into. It'll save you a lot of stress, a lot of hassle if you can let him guide you and let him lead you. Because it's not good for any of us to kick against the goats. So why don't you stand? We're going to worship together a little bit more. I'm going to pray for us.